the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using b7dev.com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. From Apple features to ASO to influencer marketing, you will learn all the tools and tactics to make it in the app space. Learn more at appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and your revenues. And today, I've got a three-time. You know, we've been doing it every day. I mean, every day. Every year, we have him back on, talk all about data, talk about some of the changes that are happening within the App Store. And this is essentially why I love the App Store so much, because every year, every month, something changes in the App Store. We're going to talk all about data, why it's so important to really look at the data, and then first off, really talk about iOS 14 changes. But without further ado, let me introduce the guest. He is an author. He is the co-founder, I mean the founder of Tale About Data. Go check it out, taleaboutdata.com. And he also wrote a book called Data is Like a Plate of Hummus. And I want to know a little bit more about that title and the co-host of What the Data podcast as well. So check it out on all your favorite podcast apps, What the Data. Without further ado, Lior Barak, welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. You know, third time, it's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, and as we're doing it every year, there is a lot of changes since the last time. Yeah. Well, we should just pencil it in. January every year. You know, that's usually when the changes happen. <laughs> so January every year, let's have you back on, huh? <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so, are. I know everything's taught on top of mind with all the iOS 14 changes. What's, what are you thinking about these days with iOS? So, uh, to be honest, I think that on the one side, we should be very happy that they're doing these changes because it's for the users. And to be honest, let's face it, in the last couple of years, we actually ditched them. We looked at them more as a dollar sign rather than looking at them as a, as a user that we want to preserve and we want to retain. Uh, and I think that now with these changes, actually, finally, first data, uh, first party data going to be super relevant. Uh, that's the most important thing. And the second thing, we will need to start communicating with our user in a better way. So we need to explain to him what we're doing with his data, how we're using it, and why he should actually give us the authority to track him and save this information. Uh, and I think that if we're looking ahead, it's going to be a lot of challenging, uh, a lot, it's going to be very challenging for, for all, all of us to adapt to it. But if we're looking at the, the potential of it, I think that whoever is going to be smart enough and we know how to walk around it, will have gold in his hands, basically. Sorry, I was on mute. But one of the things that I want to highlight too is, like you said, it is better for the user. And Apple's thinking about the millions of people, like the tens of millions of people that are on their devices, probably the hundreds of millions of people that are on their devices and more of protecting us from a consumer. But because we're an app podcast and we're both in the space, we're like constantly thinking about, oh man, this is going to suck, right? Like how are we going to deal with this IDFA stuff? And so how do you think marketers need to adjust? Is it the attribution? Like what do they need, what do they need to do to make sure their campaigns are being effective? 
So, so the reality is that, you know, at the beginning it was like, this is the Armageddon. This is the end of mobile industry. That's it. Everything is over. We're not going to make any more profit out of it. The reality is that the change should actually not be that big as people are afraid of. Uh, it should be more on the communication side. So how do you communicate with user? How do you, when do you going to ask him actually for his permission to track his user ID? When, when will be exactly the right moment to, to trigger this question? And what is the level of education you do before you arrive into this moment? So you're actually also explaining to him that it's, it's his interest at the end of the day to share with you as much information as possible. And I think that this is, this is where we, we, we need to aim towards. And this is what people need to prepare. It's not Armageddon, it's not the end of the world. It's just requiring a little bit more thinking and a little bit more of being creative, I would say. Uh, and this is the, basically the most important part. Tactically speaking, I've seen a lot of apps do this too. It's like, hey, can we, you know, it's like the cookies thing. Do you go to every website? It's like, can we enable, can you enable cookies? It's so front and center. And I feel like that's what apps are doing now. It's a big old pop-up. Hey, you know, can we sort of attribute or will you accept these sort of cookies on the web too? Exactly. So it's going to be very similar to that. We're going to have an onboarding phase that we're going to basically explain the user how we're doing it. So I'm located in Europe. GDPR is a reality here for quite a long time, right? Yep. Uh, and for us, you need to do this onboarding. You need to get the consent of the user. You need to make him opt into your services. Uh, and it's only by creating education. And not only education, it's also how you're communicating in, in the public. So when he's going and downloading your app already, are you actually explaining to him how you're using the data? Are you uh, giving him the control over the data and you're not collecting stuff that you're not supposed to. So a lot of apps asking for getting your contact details, asking to get access to your phone calls and they don't really need it. And I think that this is where we're going to go now to this direction of, okay, what is actually necessary or is a legitimate interest for us to track? Yeah. And this is what we're going to ask the user to give us. Otherwise, you know, he has no interest to be honest, to share with us anything, right? Yeah. Uh, and some people are talking about numbers of 20% uh, going to share information, some saying 60%. But if we're looking at it, it means that we need to trust more first data, meaning we cannot anymore use third parties to track our information uh, for us, like uh, Google Firebase. Or we won't be able to use tools like uh, a lot of uh, amplitude or stuff like that that actually going and helping you to track the users. You will need to move more in-house and try to develop it in-house and then from there try to convince the user that you do no harm. You actually want to help him and you want to improve the, the system that he's using, the product. Now, I'm not familiar with this. So I'm going to ask a newbie type of question here, but I always thought IDFA would affect the attribution. So if I'm running Facebook ads, I'd miss the attribution. Are you trying to say like, I won't know the analytics too? So if I had Firebase in there and I'm trying to track different events within my app, will I not get that data with all the changes? You you still get the data, but you still need to have some kind of a consent. You need to be able to collect this data, right? And link it in some way. The device ID today, for most of us, this is the main linker. This is the main connector. A lot of us didn't move into using, for example, user's ID. And this is what we're going to need to do now. We need to use more user ID rather than device ID to link between different sessions and then to combine it based on it. And from my experience now in the market, not a lot of people doing it. Most of us using user ID, it was the easiest thing to do. User ID in most cases was uh, attached to our app, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a number that is always there. Uh, and this is where the challenge starts. 
All right, Lior. So you know my audience. You know they're more indie developers or solo entrepreneur type of things. Yeah. Yes, we do have a percentage that's working for bigger companies and you know have like real good scale. But what I want to ask you is, you kind of touched on it. Like, all right, you're gonna have to build in-house tools to collect the data. And one of the things that I see from the audience is like they're not tracking any data. They're like uh, just launching the app, kind of like just getting out there, relying on the different app store platforms to see some of the data that they report. So step one you know, collect your own data. Step two, what else should we be doing? Like, is there a step-by-step -step process you have? There is no step-by-step -step process that we need to do, but they will need to first understand that once they want to do marketing, so they want to start to do paid acquisition uh, or paid retention in later stage, they will need data. They will need to be able to actually understand what they're doing uh, and where they're arriving to, right? Uh, and this is where the challenge starts. When you don't have device ID, you don't have the attribution in the system so you won't be able to actually retarget this device you won't be able to actually recognize him unless he is logging in or registering to the system and let's face it a lot of people with the games they're going to create a new user because they don't remember the old password or whatever or they didn't link it correctly and this is where challenges are going to start happening uh, the same thing happens with other apps, right? So it's not only gaming, it's every, every app actually existing out there today needs to think about also how do I decide how much money I'm actually putting on iOS or how, many, how much money do I put on Android? The common thing is always saying that iOS users bringing you much more profit because they easier to release their dollars. But now you're not gonna know actually how much you paid on it. So it could be that you paid $50, 50, $50 or you paid $100 and the return on investment is only 20. So basically you're burning money. And how can you know which campaigns you need to kill or not? And here we're talking about using actually the first party. This is why I'm saying a lot of first party data because what it's going to allow you is actually create some kind of a mechanism that's creating a, a user scoring. So even if you don't have the attribution, you will still be able to calculate some weighted uh, value for users and say, okay, this is, what I, this is what I'm hoping to return based on the score of the user. And this is what I'm willing to spend. And then you have more of a mechanism of an ROI and even if you're a small indie developer, you need to have something that will help you to actually make decisions of, are you actually investing more money now in features? So I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts a couple of uh, weeks ago and you had uh, three indie developers that were uh, on your program. And one of the things that they said, like, yes, monetization went up and everything going great now. And let's face it, if you don't have the device ID, monetization also gonna be damaged because if you're displaying ads, it's not going to be any more personalized. It's going to be very loose and it's going to be very free. So how do you actually making this connection? And the only way to do it will be by creating internal systems or internal mechanisms that can tell you this is the type of ads you should show this user based on his behavior. And you will need to be able to actually attach this behavior to the user and somehow create some balance on it. Sounds so complicated to me. So I'm sure some developer <laughs> knows how to do it. But I know one of my clients and a friend of mine previous podcast, he was talking about retargeting ads and retargeting ads. So what he would do is optimize his Facebook ads for events and he would optimize for the actual trial, right? Like starting a trial. Once they're in the trial, then he would optimize, we retarget them and optimize for the actual purchase for the subscription. And he was seeing really good results. So how does he need to adapt now that he possibly can't retarget these users anymore? That's exactly the point. So here we need to figure out how he's doing it in the app. So how he's convincing them to convert. And 
the ones that are going to share. And, and I think that we're still going to have a good share if we're going to explain to them why we're using the device ID and how we're actually helping them to get a better experience, right? And we, we're coming back communication, communication, communication. That will be the key component as we're going forward. If you don't communicate to your user, how are you going to use this data? How are you going to process it? What are you going to do, uh, what are you going to do with it afterwards and for how long you're keeping it? He's going to stay there and going to say, like, I don't want to share any information. I don't want to give him any consent for anything. And, and, and from the perspective of Apple, they just published, I saw a very nice article uh, about a, a day of a father with his daughter and explaining how the entire privacy is open to anybody who have access to the device to know that he was with his daughter and so on and so on. Yeah. They had a huge article about it. I need to look for it and I can share it. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it up in the show notes too. And this is exactly where we're going towards, right? It's this direction that people will be much more aware now of their data. Yeah. And even if it's not iOS, it's going to be Android users, they're also becoming much more aware because, okay, hold on, what's going on in iOS? And they're going to react as well. So even if you're thinking that Android, okay, going to continue as usual and everything is fine and I'm going to do my iOS, I will find a solution for it, don't. Think bigger, think how you're actually communicating with all your users in a certain way. I like it. All right, if we can take a, a huge high level view on this, when we're starting to collect the data, let's, let's, say it, let's say we actually built these internal tools, right? And we have some data that we can play with. What are sort, or maybe the fire, Firebase is not fire, like we, we're seeing some of the analytics, what are people doing within our app? What are some of the things that we should be looking at that are going to make a, make a big difference in our app business? Is it retention? Is it like, what, what should we be looking at? Because there's, you know, here's the way I feel about data. It's like, oh my God, it's just so much. And one, I don't look at it enough. And two, like, I don't know what to look at that's going to actually impact my business. So usually what I'm doing, uh, and when I'm, when I'm talking about data for app, I think that the most important part is to figure out which of the features, which of the parts in the funnel of the user are important for you. And this is the one you need to track and need to follow on a daily basis and see, okay, how many people arrive to a certain uh, funnel point and how far are they from actually completing what I wanted to do? So if you're selling a subscription for a year now, you need to know how you're actually bringing the user to do the subscription. What is he doing on the path to ending in the page that's saying subscribe and he subscribe and he pays you this yearly payment? And this is all should be tracked internally. And then you should see, okay, how many of these users are actually doing this path? How many are doing different paths? And try to figure out what is the difference. And based on it, you can also improve, A, your, your user experience on the one side. And on the other side, it's also your marketing because maybe you're actually acquiring users that do not fit for your product, which is also something that most of us actually don't look at, especially indie developers. So I have a, my own app that I published a couple of months ago. Nice. If a stupid chicken that jumps around, you know, it's like super nice. Nice. But you don't have the time to monitor it and it just disappears. And at some point, you don't understand why users don't stay, don't stick. So they played once, they played twice. And if you want to do now paid acquisition, how are you actually convincing them to pay? Right. If it's just to remove the advertisement or is it just to reduce the amount of advertisement, you, you need to figure out how you're actually working on it. And, and, and this is where we need to go towards. You know, one of the things that I'm testing out, and I don't know if this is the right strategy, you tell me if it's right or wrong, but I was like, you know what? 
I'm not seeing people convert as highly. Let me do, I went to usertesting.com and let me get quantitative data. Is that the right word? No, qualitative, right? I'm looking for qualitative data mm-hmm. where I, got, I paid somebody $50. It was just $49. And I was like, hey, what, do you understand the value of the app? Do you understand how to buy? Do you understand what you get when you're buying? Why don't you want to buy? And I want to understand it from a qualitative level, like where are people at? Because it's a simple sleep sounds app. Like you just yeah. turn it on, you play some random sounds and you fall asleep to it, right? So it's a pretty simple app idea. And I, but I really wanted to understand the users. because I feel like I have a pretty locked in funnel, but I want to understand like, why might not somebody might not want to buy too. But think about that. If you're doing the data, if you're collecting it, you will be able to do it yourself. You don't need to go externally. You don't need to pay to somebody. You're just going to have the data in house and then you're going to be able to see, okay, this is what usually users are clicking on. This is their fun and how it looks like. And this is where they dropping. So you will also know where you're losing them mm. or what they, what exactly is wrong that they, they're not arriving. For example, they don't find a subscribe page. Or maybe you're offering it too many times. So a lot of indie developers offering too many times. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. <laughs> hide unlock, the, hide the close it. button, right, Lior? Don't show it. <laughs> it, it. It happens, right? So I was yeah. working with this app uh, several months ago and they kept saying that, yes, nobody's subscribing. The point was that every time that you arrive to, to the subscribe, you just couldn't get out of there before you pick the package and then they showed you like how to close it. Of course, people are not going to convert and not going to do it. And this is only by having the numbers, only by looking at the numbers and understanding this is how my features are working. So each app has different features. What features people are using? Which pages are they either actually Googling or what, which one they, they, sorry, not Googling, but which one they're landing on and how they, how they flowing, how they flow. And this only by, by, by the data to collect it and store it and then try working with it. And you will forgive me for saying it, but Firebase is a great tool, but I think it's too complex. It's too complicated mm-hmm. also to get your data and actually start building something out of it that making sense. This is also another challenge that a lot of people, I think this is another blocker why people don't go in and start using the data because they don't understand how to do it. The ones that actually going with AppsFly or, or, or Adjust or, or Kurchova or whatever, they're sending certain events that they say they forwarding to the to the partner to the attribution partner but again this is a limited image it's not a full one because if you need to do the full one it's becoming very expensive the only way to do it is by first party it's going in-house and then build in there and connect it with the attribution data that you're getting afterwards that's crazy <laughs> it's like all right <laughs> let me ask you this then. how much would that cost to build it in-house and then if i want or Leor, i want to do it i'm gonna do it build it in-house what should I be building? What should I be looking for? Is this similar to Firebase where I'm tracking every event and I'm kind of figuring out what users are doing? Like, how would you help me build it in-house? Like, Because I'm not a developer. So what do I tell a developer? So, so the cost of it are quite uh, cheap nowadays. It's getting cheaper and cheaper. If you're going an in-house solution, you will need to have a data engineer or you yourself, if you're understanding how to work with data and how to store it, you will be able to store it and place it. You will need to have an AWS server that can just collect the data for you and store it on an S3 bucket. And then from there, you can just build even a dashboard on a quick site uh, on Amazon, which is a very simple approach. Uh, You can go to the more complex ones, of course, and start building a data warehouse. But I don't think it's making any sense to anybody actually to go to that extent nowadays. But uh, on the contrary, to start with something very simple, the cost of running such a server with the tracking and everything for around, let's say, 1 million DAOs will be in the area of 150 euros a month 
and plus on top of it another uh, 600 to 700 uh, a month for storing the data. And then it's of course, how you're using the data from there. The costs are a little bit more expensive. You can of course create it cheaper. You can do it even cheaper than that, but it really depends on how you're doing the setup. Got it. Again, another dumb question. That's what I'm, I'm dumb. <laughs> the thing I want to know is if we're building an in-house, are we looking to get analytics and then attribute? What are, we, what are we trying to build here? What are we trying to, what's the end goal? Is it to sort of replace Firebase and get all the analytics in there? Is it to sort of replace Apps Flyer and make sure that, hey, I know where these users are coming from or is it all the above? So I, I wouldn't uh, say it's replacing everything. It's actually in the contrary. Leave them as they are right now. Build your own solution. Start tracking and look at your numbers that you're collecting yourself. Uh, because what happened is that when you're starting to send data outside to Firebase or when you're sending data to AppsFlyer, they're losing it on the way, right? So some of these data are going to be missing. The only way for you to actually know how many installs you had or how many new devices signed up it just by collecting your data and storing it yourself and then comparing it against the others, whatever you manage to match. So if you think about it, it's basically two groups or two bubbles that one of them is the bigger one and is the, the, your uh, most important uh, data that is first party, you're tracking right. it. And then everything that's coming from the external, so coming from Firebase or coming from uh, a Just or AppSpy or whatever, and you're just combining it together to try to create a better image for you. Uh, and if we think about it, Apps Flyer and Adjust going to have less data right now because if somebody decided not to share his device ID, there is no attribution, so there is less data for you. And then if there is less data, how will you handle actually the entire operation of understanding who is the user? Because then you need to go by user ID in-house and then track in and aggregate all these sessions this way. Yeah, I like it. Hey, Lior, one thing I want to go back on, because when I was talking about the qualitative data, the data and paying somebody, you said, you know, you should have that in-house. Well, you know, I'm going to disagree with you. Let's, let's try this. Okay, Lior, I'm going to try it differently. <laughs> I had to look down just to see your facial reaction on this. So I was playing a game. We do these app audits on YouTube live streams. And I'm playing the game and, you know, the audience submits different apps. And I really liked the game, actually. The gameplay was very nice. So if, from a data perspective, you might see me come back once, never play again. But I don't think that's what you would get just from pure numbers perspective. Why aren't they coming back? But you won't know that I thought, like when I told them qualitatively, I was like, the color scheme is really bad. Like my eyes are really getting blurry and it's just not good. And also the speed, because it was like a crossy road meets, I forget what it was entirely, but the gameplay was super solid. And the speed of the ball that was traveling, I was like, this is so slow. So this is like qualitative data that he might not have known if he was just looking at, well, people are opening once, playing twice, maybe playing one level and leaving. He won't know why they're leaving. So does that, I mean, what do you feel about that? So you would need to do that as well, but for that you have the UX research, right? So it's not, it's, it's basically two parts. If you're looking to understand monetization, you're looking to understand how you're driving your next dollar, this is not going to be by somebody telling you, oh, your color blue, I really hate it. It's, it's burning my eyes, right? <laughs> it's going to be by the fact that something is wrong with your app and it doesn't want to use it. And you're going to understand it quite quickly. So if you're going to open it and you're going to see, okay, I have a horrible blue right now. Maybe this is the reason. And you try to change it. You try to change it to pink or you try to change it to purple. I don't know. You put some color out there and you're trying to see if it's actually changing the reaction. You have numbers. You have 
now you have numbers that you can see, okay, with the blue, this is how it worked, now it's the purple. And it's going more to the direction of the A-B testing, right? So if you're going and, and we're starting to check which colors are most, most comfortable. Uh, if the images are actually, people can see them or not, or they can understand the play game, you're gonna also see it from the numbers, we're gonna see them dropping at certain page. Mm -hmm. or a certain process right so if there is a dialogue in the beginning of the of the game and they're just clicking next 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 and then they started to play and they don't get out to play because the dialogue was too long you're gonna you're gonna figure it out also by the numbers because you see people dropping after the first screen after the second one so there is still the numbers to help you yeah. and then you can take this screen and actually go and say okay can you tell me what you didn't like in this screen and how can i actually improve it so what was the flow that you didn't like here? But to be able to know that there is a problem that you need to deal with, you first need to have the, the, the numbers that can support you and can direct you to where you need to go to. Otherwise, you can ask, of course, you can do on the entire game and ask people to give you the feedback. The question is, does it actually make sense to ask them to go over everything? Yeah, I like that. And one of the things that you said early on was like, hey, you got to figure out what is the key thing that you want them to do. And for my sleep sounds app it would be like, obviously hit play because I want you to, you know, <laughs> listen to sounds. Right. And one yeah. of my, yesterday we just did this. So last week when this show airs, Hassan from Veeamly, he said, when we launched the product, we wanted to create video memes. Right. But then because he, he put Instabug in his app and people can communicate with them, he found out that adding subtitles, even though it's just a feature in the app, it became the main thing that people wanted to use it for and then it became the main feature that the revenues people wanted to subscribe to and so would yeah. you always recommend maybe having some chat feature that people can connect with connect with you with always so communication 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 so if you think about it i i actually also encourage a lot of my my clients to go into the direction of giving an open channel for users to come actually and talk and explain to them what they didn't like. Mm. So if they see them dropping in a certain page, they can always ask them, can you explain to me why you didn't like it? If there is the permission and the opt-in to actually send them an email, why not to send them an email and create a communication with a person, not a, a I don't know, a, some robot that's talking to you, but actually a person that contacting him and asking, can you tell me maybe why you didn't like it? Yeah. Uh, and then you can look at the numbers and you can say, okay, I see a lot of people that, dropping here maybe actually there is something i need to fix or maybe there is nothing but at the end of the day if you are a developer and you want one developer or two developers uh, on an app there is a limit for what you can do and how much you can do and so you need to create prioritization right are you developing a new feature so are you adding new subtitles or are you actually improving the mechanism of the of the of the images and how they processed so this is, this is a different, two different parts and you need to know where you need to put your efforts. Here you can also communicate with your users and understand from them and you can also use the numbers to understand if there is a problem right now and you should fix it. If not, maybe you can do a new feature. But if there is an acoustic problem and actually you need to deal with it, this is, this is where you're going to see it first. I like that. Is there anything else that you want to cover on the communication standpoint? I know one of the things that's working well for you is communicating with the user about data. Is there anything else you want to add more? About this communication angle so if we're looking at the communication one more point i think that is important to mention here is also to explain to him how you're using the data to improve the game so if you're thinking about it how you actually going to use the data to make his experience much better and this is something that a lot of us also overlook sometimes because we think about 
okay, I have an app, I published it, I see installs, but actually communicate how you're gonna use to improve it. And the more users you're gonna get, more of them gonna be convinced actually. So it's the rule of the big numbers, right? So the more users you have, the more you're gonna convince actually to give you more feedback. And this is what you need to do actually. Hey, Lior, I'm just gonna ask you a, a growth question and see what happens. Are there any channels that you feel like are emerging or is it still Facebook tried and true? Like that's what you need to be working on. So as indie, we develop our tools and we understand some of the data, like where should we start thinking about from a growth perspective? So if you're looking at the channels, today it's still the main Facebook and Google. There is no big change there, right? So it's still between 80 to 90% of the spending is of most apps. Now with iOS, uh, the privacy changes they're gonna launch, I think it's gonna change a bit. Everybody talking now that they're gonna get hit. And the question is here actually, where you can acquire your next users and what is the best uh, approach. And I don't think anybody has an answer right now. Mm. And I don't think that we're gonna have an answer until we're gonna arrive to this tunnel and they're going to start driving inside and we're going to see a light at the end of it. Will you beat us? <laughs> Hopefully we can. I don't know. I have to be honest, I'm as blind as everybody else. I think that also most of the attribution and also Facebook and Google, they didn't receive any information from Apple. Apple didn't really give a lot of uh, data. They're releasing it slowly, uh, but the day that they're going to launch it is getting closer and closer. So I'm not sure how much time we're going to actually have to prepare for that. Yeah. So most likely we're going to start driving in the dark and at some point we're going to go, arrive to the light and hopefully we can do it. Uh, one of the things that's going to happen, for example, for Facebook, it will be that you will need to create a separate account for iOS 14 and above. So every, uh, uh, every OS uh, that is Apple, above 14, we need to have a certain channel uh, and a certain account. And mm. then the rest of them will have another one, uh, which means that everything that under iOS 14, you will be able to see to track normally. There are no changes. Everything above it gonna be blank. Hopefully not. If you manage to convince them to to actually share with you the information, so you can. Oh, that's a great point. That because condition. you can create a campaign, target you know thirteen and under. You know you can do these settings, target iOS yeah. users, but you know you can pick the iOS the the number. Hmm. I like that. I'm glad I asked. It, <laughs> well, I did hear. It would be interesting to see. The also like people are saying like Apple is going to be the big thing. The search ads might start being the primary channel because Apple has all the data, right? Like they can understand. Exactly. And so like, yes, they don't have to reveal it, but at the, at the same time, it's their device. They know what's happening in there. You see, do you have any thoughts about that? I see a lot of people starting to prepare and see how they can actually uh, utilize Apple, yeah. Apple search. Let's face it. It's horrible. Uh, <laughs> the interface is not that comfortable. <laughs> Uh, API connections are not working correctly still. Uh, there is some challenges that they need to solve there, uh, but I'm sure that we're gonna see much more money being spent on, on Apple uh, search in the coming uh, months and people are starting to test. I know the big companies are preparing uh, and they're doing a lot of uh, A-B testing to try to figure out, okay, what is the incrementality of each channel? What is actually uh, the added value of having Facebook over Liftoff over, uh, Google over uh, Snap and so on and so on. And this is where we're going we're gonna to see the difference. And a lot of people are also trying to figure out how they can actually make money out of Apple Search, which is still an enigma that uh, basically sucking some money and something happens, but it's not as good as Facebook and Google still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that thing, every time I load that piece of the website, I'm just like, oh my goodness, it is so stinking slow and i've talked 
two people at Apple. I'm like, is this this slow for you? And like, yes, it is. And I've tried Safari, I've tried Chrome, I've tried like every browser and so slow. They are anything matter, we miss yeah. before we hit no. the big finish. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we I, covered most of the important stuff. Yeah, me too. This was great, Lior. I, I found it phenomenal. I love the iOS 13. Like maybe you can adjust it, right? Like you can target people under 14. And I love the fact about the in-house tools and why communication is so important. So Lior, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app that we should definitely check out. Lately, it's become Trello for my mobile. I don't know why. Uh, I became addicted to using it because I'm getting all the notification. Everything is moving whenever we have tickets and issues. And especially since I started to, to work on this uh, in the app, uh, I figured out that I need to manage it in some way. Mm. And that's the only way to actually have the due dates. And then it's making sure that you're pushing it and things are happening. So it's really cool. I want to check what else you said before. Let me look. Uh, Vineo? I think it used to be Vineo. Vineo before. And then let's see. Nope, it was Vineo twice. was my... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I had to check. I, yeah, like, I, I have a six months at home. I'm not drinking anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I gave it up in 2020, right before 2000, January 1st, 2021. But I did love the app when I was in the, what's that big one? Bevmo. I would go in and I would just use it and I'll scan it and I'll look at the thing. Now I was looking for under $20, right? Wine. And I'm like, oh, good rating. Let me buy that one. So I did. It was all because of you. <laughs> what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Uh, I think that this year, uh, it was mostly to understand that data should be very simple. I think that mm. I always looked at data as a very complex process, a very complex problem that I need to solve. And actually, when you're looking at it, it should be very simple. It should be very, very easy also to make a decision out of it. And I think that this is something that's still sometimes uh, requiring learnings. And this is also my tip to all your listeners uh, and everybody to listen, who listen to that. Look basically on data in a very, very basic way and start making it more complex only when you're feeling that it's becoming normal or you're already understanding quite easily what you're doing. Uh, and this is, this is the best tip ever. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, how did you come up with the book name? Data, Data is, is like a like pair a of hummus. Of hummus, yes. So basically, uh, I love hummus and hummus is very simple, right? So it's chickpeas, tahina, lemon, a little bit of water, and there is nothing much in there. And the same thing data should be. Data should be very simple. It should be few ingredients that actually filling your stomach, making you happy and allowing you to proceed in the entire day work. Uh, and also the other point is that when you're looking at data, data needs to be fresh, the same as hummus. So hummus from the fridge will no go in my house, but the fresh hummus always will be a great uh, thing for me. Nice. And I think that data should be the same thing, right? You need it fresh, you need it to be relevant, you need it to be ready for you to eat it. Uh, and this, this is basically where the book is uh, based on. Should we just go to Amazon to grab the book? You can go to Amazon, yeah. Do you wanna go us to like, straight to your website or anything else? I don't know if it's better. Uh, I, can, I can share it, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Well, I did link it up to the Amazon. So if you guys wanna pick up that, data is like a plate of hummus. Go check it out. I love the simplicity of it. And then what the data podcast as well. It is podcast.whatthedatapodcast.com. All that is linked up in your favorite podcast app. So you gotta go nowhere. Just scroll down, click all the links and you'll go straight to that. 
And if you want to check out Lior's website, go to taleaboutdata.com. Lior, if the audience wants to connect with you in any other way and say thank you for coming on to the show for the third time every year, we love seeing your face. Where else do you want to send them? If I'm getting an ice cream, then in person in Berlin. If not, then on Twitter, uh, you can find me on Lior B. Uh, and you can find me, of course, on LinkedIn, uh, Lior Barak. Uh, and I'm always happy to connect with people and learn about the problems. And even if they just want to chat about data, more than happy to do that. I love it. Leo, thank you so much for coming on, doing this for the third time. And I'll see you next year in 2022, Leo. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening. See you the next time. <laughs> thank you all for watching and listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.